0: We see there's a real market opportunity to like come with a human and developer like centered approach that that really builds a product that is much more pleasant and easy to use. And every touch point from using the dashboard to using our CLI to using our APIs all have sort of that that focus on like let's make a great developer experience and a great touch point here that we know folks are going to deeply engage with.
1: Hi everyone, you're listening to Scaling DevTools. Today, we are joined by not one, not two, but three guests. So we've got Jonathan, Andrew, and Brad from DevCycle and also Tabletics, which we'll get into in a second. Um, But DevCycle is a feature flag management tool, um, and welcome all three of you to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having us, Jack.
1: Thanks, Jack. Yeah. Glad to be here. Um, so I met Andrew, um, at a conference and we were chatting and I realized that I'd kind of come across, uh, Tabletics a while back. Um, I think it was like, I was like looking at different mobile dev tools and, uh, it was interesting about how you could create con, like you could manage a lot of your app in a kind of like no code way and do a lot of other stuff as well. Um, and this was the company that I think you were running for like ten years or more. Um, and is that right, Jonathan?
0: Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been around for over ten years now. Like we uh, we really came out. I guess we we did YC. It was part of the the winter fourteen batch, and that's actually where I met Brad. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, we've been we've been we've been sort of in business since then, and, and and growing the business with all the highs and lows that come with being an entrepreneur. <laughs>
1: Yeah um and so then there's also dev cycle which i saw that you'd kind of like you were kind of referencing it on your site and it seemed like it was kind of this other thing that you're doing and it sounds like a lot of uh it's kind of a pivot and that a lot of your attention is on dev cycle uh now as well yeah it's been an interesting story so uh,
0: the background on taplex as you as you kind of described like it started off really as a mobile uh, A/B testing, no code visual editing uh, platform for mobile, and really grew into like a wider marketing automation and de- dev tool um, product where we were doing everything from that A/B testing to like also web no code visual editing and push notifications and audience building and like a, a really large suite of of, of different um, kind of more marketing focused enterprise uh, tools and um, and. And really, about two and a half years ago, we sort of looked at the the business as a whole, and we we're trying to decide of like like how do we ex- how do we accelerate our growth? Like we're we have all these different products, and we 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 were feeling sort of stretched thin a little bit across all the different um, um, types of products we were serving. And so um, we took a look at like the granular detail. where like, who are the users who are using our product every single day for their workflows? And that was actually engineering teams using our feature flagging tools which we kind of built as a side project on top of the AB testing tools at Tapletics um they were using it every day to like do basically continuous deployment using feature flags and we're like hey this is like a really passionate group of users using our product um in a way that we didn't really foresee and 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 us internally actually we um we had started using feature flags daily ourselves as well. So it really lined up well to like our own processes of trying to
3: move faster, trying to get towards continuous deployment um, with our product. This also, this was happening like, this was like 2017, 2018, like Mm -hmm. before feature flags as a service and feature flags as a product was really like an established market too right like this is like early 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 days of this segment
0: yeah and then and then we sort of took a look at the business and we we're like all right if we're going to focus on one thing we're going to like this is the market we want to focus on and and dive deep into the developer tool space building a great experience specifically for for developers um and and that's kind of how how it all started
1: yeah and that, actually that's a kind of interesting point is you said there about like if you were going to focus on one thing, um, and could you talk a bit about like the pros and cons of like focusing on one thing versus something like tabletics that has such a broad set of features? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, I, I think we we learned some lessons
0: of going broad early. Um, I think, I think as an entrepreneur, um, we learned a lot of those hard lessons of, of the context switching you have you're addressing an issue for one customer in one part of your product then you have to go context switch to another part of your product that that maybe is architected differently and um and that's really painful and really taxing on on your engineering team and so um um so that that was a really hard lesson to learn as an engineering manager and as a founder um that focus especially um especially in the early days but even even as you're growing um is incredibly important, um, to, to build, um, build a cohesive product. And, um, and really what, when we made the decision to really focus on dev cycle, we tried to go all in as possible. Like, obviously we're still supporting those customers and, um, on tablets and, and, and have people in place to, to properly support them. But we wanted to give the teams that were going to build dev cycle, like a hundred percent focus on. On that product um and not be distracted by by anything else and have the runway to just go and build um with that that pure focus in mind
1: yeah and what what is like the hardest part um of of kind of pivoting in in that in that sense there's lots of it but it, it, it the
0: biggest thing is moving our customers like moving our customers over and ma- maintaining those relationships so the nice thing is, about DevCycle is that we still do the core things that people are using us on Taplytics. Like most of our usage on Taplytics was code-based A-B testing or feature flagging. Um, and we're able to support that much better with DevCycle. So it's an easy story to go to those existing customers and we've been able to tra- like transition a large percentage of, percentage of them over um, because it's a better product um, in, in DevCycle now. Um, but some of the use cases like push notifications is a is an area of our product we we've actively told our customers we're deprecating. Um and so that that's a harder conversation, but that's where you you work with partners. So like we've partnered up with OneSignal um to, to help um make that transition of those customers. Um, easier over to a platform that's going to support them long term. And um, and so that that was probably the the most and it still is the most delicate balance of, of this whole process. But um and, and and making sure that we're we're supporting our existing customers as best we can with um and that's something I think we've always prided prided ourselves on at Tapletix is having really strong customer relations, really great account management, really strong relationships with those customers. Like we have customers who've been with us for like over eight years now, which is like crazy in in this world of fast moving technology. And those customers are moving with us over to DevCycle because we've invested in those relationships so much.
1: Yeah, that's, and it was was like, were most of those relationships very much like kind of discussions, like, zoom calls or was it more about like setting up like early communications over email and like updating the docs to say things are deprecated or like how how did you kind of manage it practically
0: yeah practically um it certainly is a lot of zoom calls these days but we've i think we've built a lot of those relationships by having people on the ground meeting and meeting with, uh, and making personal connections with, with those, those customers. And, and because Tapalytics is like really focused on enterprise customers, there's a smaller number of co- like large contracts you need to manage where, um, with DevCycle, we're focusing more on a uh, product led growth um strategy and less of an enterprise focus um and so it's it's a bit of a different case for dev cycle but with tabletics we we have a really strong sort of account management team and and really as founders like not so myself as the cto but the other founders um have really focused to make sure we have those founder connections with the executives at our main um our main customers we have those relationships that we can uh we can leverage if, if needed to to work through tough contract negotiations and and tough conversations like this right and so um i advise founders to be close with your biggest customers and the executives at at your biggest customers like never lose that that connection if if you're if you're selling these larger enterprise deals
1: yeah yeah that that's um a challenging uh one and how how do you Think about like pricing that you've moved over, like from, um, I, I guess pricing's hard anyway, but like, you've already got people kind of anchored to like one product that may be like completely different. Um, and then you're kind of the same team. Um, is was that something that was like, took a lot of, uh, thinking or.
0: Yeah, I think we're frankly still, still figuring it out because one of the, the core changes going from an enterprise product to a PLG, um, product is that, um, it's like the PLG product is, uh, comes in a lower price bracket, right? right. Um, it, we're, we, we're trying to be more usage-based pricing versus seat-based pricing, things like that. Um, which, it more aligns our costs to, um, customer's actual usage of the product right um there are still like enterprise levers that are like are common things like permissions and saml and 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 special connections and things like that that um and and all the the various um uptime guarantees and slas and things like that that um you can build enterprise contracts around and so those enterprise those transition contracts are still built around the same general enterprise mechanics. Um, but most of our focus of pricing is focusing on how do we, how do we get those mid market companies that are, that are, are just going to sign up for the product and start using it, um, get them onboarded at a reasonable rate. And maybe Brad can jump in on that.
3: Yeah. I I think it's also challenging when you're coming down market from sort of an enterprise focus to kind of like a mid level, um, market, your, your decision maker becomes a lot more technical in most cases. So we're talking to engineering teams. We're talking to engineering directors. We're talking to engineering leads, um, who are making the decision to bring in platforms like ours or even like, you know, and any, any platform or any developer facing platform in that sense. And so the conversation around pricing, um, tends to come up a lot sooner. Um, and also, uh, I don't want to say there's more sensitivity to it um, because that's not necessarily the case, but there certainly is like more um, awareness to it, right? Like, uh, I think that if you're a developer, particularly if you're a, a developer um, or technically minded, when you look at pricing, you're, you, you, or when you're assessing a tool for the first time, you kind of perform this like gut check on pricing. Like, who doesn't check a pricing page and sort of their first interaction with a product? And it's not, you know, you're not necessarily looking at the mechanics and being like, okay, what exactly is this going to cost me? You want to kind of get a sense of like, is this priced for me or not, right? Like, is this priced for my business and my team for the stage that we're at? What language is being used? What features are being offered? Do things scale on usage? Do things scale on seats? Um, those sorts of questions come to mind. And so the actual dollar amount it, it is, is less relevant we're sort of learning and it's more about like how do we position pricing for developers and i think that's kind of like a unique skill that that we've kind of figured out how to how how to do a little bit and we're still learning a lot
1: yeah that's actually super interesting it's like that whole like transition of suddenly like you're speaking to different people the conversations are going differently communications different is it like is it something that's like you know like old habits die hard like is it like if you're kind of like a a salesperson that's like used to like building relationships with like the very, you know, senior, senior people and suddenly like you're going off to a different audience. Is it something that like you have to be re- like, yeah, how, how have you thought about that change? Kind of,
3: I, I think, I think it's interesting. And I'll, I'll let Jonathan chime in here as well. But I think the, the biggest change that I'm aware of is, um, you know, when, especially when you're selling to more technical teams and, and developer, developer facing teams. Um, it's really hard to sort of, um, force timelines, right? Like when you're doing like sort of traditional enterprise sales, we can do things like, you know, oh, we'll give you a 25% discount. If you sign annually, we can, you know, if we can get this deal closed in the next two weeks, we can, we can do some extra things. Um, but when your product is, you know, essentially an an API or it's infrastructure based, you can't really force timelines on anyone. Um, and that's okay that's okay, right? It's like, what you want to do is you want to understand where folks are at in their timeline and where their technical needs are and figuring out how we can help. Um, And so I think that that's a relatively large shift in sort of the mental sales model that we've. I think we've navigated it really well, um, but we've had to navigate it very um, intentionally, if, if that makes sense. We've had to make our team very aware of like, okay, we need to work with our customers and their roadmap and their technical priorities, and make sure that we're fitting into what they're doing, rather than trying to trying to drive just sales for the sake of sales. Yeah.
2: I feel like that's why, like, in such a big way, DevCycle has really doubled down on, like, we believe in developer relations and, like, that relations part being the thing, like, relationships. Jonathan was talking about it earlier, right? Building those relationships with enterprise customers is, like, one of these ways that we've been able to sort of transition folks over to the DevCycle platform. And I think as, as a company internally, and externally like as part of this transition so much of that conversation has been like let's focus on relationships and like through that all of these other great things are going to come and we're going to really take the time to to invest in the folks that are coming over to not only use our platform but to just engage with us um, to really sort of move the needle in in a in a different direction than then it might go if we were say, just really trying to sell, sell, sell to developers. And I think that's why DevRel exists, right? Like this industry did not exist like 10 years ago because dev tools were just not in the place that they were. Um, and now you've got a whole group of people whose entire job it is, is just to like build relationships with the developers. Um, and, and that's such a unique piece, I think, of what we've kind of done as part of this transition is really sort of go all in on relationship building with people
0: yeah for for our sales team it's been a big shift because they now have to think about instead of enterprise sales like yes we still have inbound enterprise interests that will go through that standard enterprise sales process but the majority of their time is focusing on on what's called product-led sales where they're they're looking at how people are using the product and Reaching out to them at the times where we can see that okay, like they've deployed this to to, to production, they're they're getting value out of the product. Like um, now is the time to to have the conversation with with them. Figure out who's the right person to have the conversation with about what what a contract looks like. Right? It's not about like everyone who signs up for the product gets like blasted with emails and phone calls right away. It's like you need you need to have your product lead and create that hook of, of interest in, and, in, and in usage of the product. And then you can engage in, in that conversation about like, all right, here's what a, like a, a discounted contract might look like or something. Here's what the enterprise features are, might look like if you're interested in, in them. And, um, and that I think has been a, a big, big shift that we're, we're obviously still working through.
1: Yeah. And, um, could you talk a bit about like how you, like the kind of like practical things you're doing to kind of build these relationships and and this kind of like product led growth.
3: Yeah. I I think, I think that's tricky and you gotta be really careful and intentional about it. Um, you know, one of the things that we do is we try to be very open and public and readily available to our, to our community and to our customers. And so, um, you know, things like a, a a discord that anyone can drop in and, and talk to, talk to Andrew, or even talk to John, you know, talk to a C level, talk to a founder. Um, most times of the day, um, and that helps, you know, for some people, that's really great. Um, we also do a lot of things. We do a lot of engagement on Twitch. We do a lot of engagement on, on, on YouTube and try to be, um, as, as live and as accessible and as human on the other side of the platform as, as we possibly can. And I think if we do that correctly, we do that, um, honestly, and we just try to be helpful, then, then, then we'll get where we need to be on, on that
2: front. Yeah. I feel like that that piece about authenticity I'm trying to think of the word it's but and it can't it's not popping into my head right now but this this concept that every single person that is part of the dev cycle team for every customer who's coming in all of this is a personal relationship. So like having these conversations, our entire team is available on pretty much any channel that you want to go on to. Everybody on our team from marketing to sales to account management comes on, uh, comes on any of the, the, the media that we do. I mean, the fact that there's three of us here <laughs> on this podcast is kind of the way that we run things. Like the more of us that can get out there, like we don't want this to be the Jonathan show or the Brad show or the Andrew show. We want this to be like the dev cycle developer show and like really make this about that experience of of seeing all the faces behind this technology because we all know like when when things go down at the end of the day you're going to want to engage with a person and and you're going to want to do that in whatever way feels most comfortable to you. And so we've been really spending, I think the last, especially since we came on board the DevCycle team, like the past year has really been dedicated to trying a lot of these different spaces and seeing what works best. I mean, we were in London, England with two of us that were there doing two conferences on totally different topics. Because it's the thing we want to see, like, where are, where is the audience? Where are people? What can, what value can we provide to the world outside of just um, dev cycle and feature flags? And it's awesome because even at both those conferences, at neither of those conferences did either of us talk about feature flags. We were talking about, like, here's our expertise that we have in this area that we want to share with the world. And by the way, we also work for this awesome company <laughs> who does this really cool thing. And so if you want to come over here and see what we do, like, we want to give you this um, to, to kind of allow you to, to get some insight into what we really want to provide out into the world. So put out good things and, and good things will come to you.
0: And I, I would say it also all wraps back to like our, our focus for DevCycle, which is like, is actually focusing on the developer experience. Like we know feature flagging is not a new space. There's a large sort of incumbent provider. Um, and there's like a multitude of, open source tooling and, um, internal tools that, that teams built, um, um, across hundreds or maybe thousands of companies out there likely tens of thousands. Um, but we, we see, there's a real market opportunity to like come with a human, uh, and developer, like experience centered, uh, centered approach that, that really builds a product that is much more pleasant and easy to use. And the reality of for teams that are using feature flags, like it's a tool that you're potentially using many times per day in your workflows. And um, if any any frustrations or, or, or things that get in your way in that workflow can really quickly cause you to lose trust. And so that's why like our focus for DevCycle is really focusing on that developer experience and every touch point from using the dashboard to using our CLI to using our APIs to our ID integrations um, are all have sort of that, that focus on like, let's make a great developer experience and a great touch point here. Um, that, 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 that we know folks are going to deeply engage with once, once they start using our products. So um, it all kind of ties together and um, creating a great experience for our customers. And um, that's how we believe that we can be successful in this like kind of existing market that, that we know um, there, there are large, large players and large internal, internal tools that we're competing against.
1: Yeah. That's so, so, developer experience is kind of the way that you're, uh, seeing can kind of take you to that, that, you know, to wherever, I guess, becoming the new incumbent.
3: It's certainly been successful so far, right? It's kind of been the core, the core piece of the puzzle that's really working for us. And so we're really looking to double down on it in a, in a, in a genuine, in a genuine and helpful way.
1: Yeah, that's um it, one of the questions that I've asked like a million times on this podcast is like whenever anyone mentions developer experience it's like if if I speak to every dev tool they'll all mention developer experience and I'm sure like the incumbents mention it and st- I'd be surprised if they didn't anyway and um what what is actually the difference between like saying developer experience is important. And it like actually really reaching the user and being significantly better than experience than other tools.
2: That's the $10 million question.
1: You just (laughs) asked it.
3: Brad, Brad, this is all you. So, I mean, we we have pretty strong feelings here. And I think think it's important to have conviction when we say things like developer experience. I know um, internally, we don't really talk about developer experience. It's kind of more of an external industry term but what we talk about more than anything is the quality of our product offering. So when we think about developer experience, we think about the quality of our SDKs, the quality of our API. Um, we want to make sure like we, when you're building and, and, and selling to developers um, there's, if you do things well, there's an incredible amount of loyalty. And, and that's wonderful. If you can, if you can get there, there's also like, there's a million and one ways to lose trust very quickly. Um, and so when we're talking about developer experience, what we're talking about is ways to make sure and go like not just above and beyond, but above and beyond times three to make sure that we are not losing that trust, especially early on in the relationship and then making sure that we are maintaining it. And so the way that we go about that is not, like it's not enough to say, you know, using our CLI is a delightful experience. That's that's not a thing. Obviously the industry likes to say that sort of thing. Um, but what we want to make sure is like, you know, that it, it works as it's expected. It works the first time. Uh, it works wherever you are working uh, and, it, and it works bug free. Um, and those are sort of the, some of the core principles that we operate. And and we sort of sum that up to this idea of like, what is the quality of our developer experience and what is the quality of our developer experience compared to the rest of the market? Um, and a core a core principle that we operate on is like, okay, let's make sure that we're delivering uh, a, a, a developer experience of a high enough quality um, that we stand out, that we stand out in, in, in the broader segment.
0: Yeah, and I think the biggest change as like myself as, as a CTO, um, is that it's not about like building like the flashiest, most marketable features. And I think getting that out of my brain was like one of the biggest changes that like, it's, you're not focused on like flashiness and, and capturing attention. Um, you, you're focused on like building a great core product that Delights more than it frustrates, right? And and builds developer trust over time, um, and 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 really removes those frustrations and pain points and and, and hiccups that every product has, even ours, um, and, and and really iterating on on those like those core things that you do, and, and continually iterating on them and making them better over time, and 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 doing that more than than sort of working on the next flashy feature that you think will like get you all the attention in the world. Um, w- once you build it, because that's not, not, not true most of the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's actually, I think is a really good point. I feel like a lot of it, it's like, especially I find if you're like, um, it, it can be really hard to like not create a feature and, you know, publish like, here's what we did. Like, this week, sometimes, you know, these change logs that don't, you know, you want to put out this massive feature that, so that everyone's talking about you on Twitter, like, oh, these guys ship like, oh, my, I like- feel it feels like it feels like success, right? It feels like progress.
3: Um, but it's, it's really, it's really not that. We spent months on like a
0: custom like test testing system to ensure the consistency and quality of our server side SDKs across all of our platform is consistent. And like that's not sexy at all, but like it ensures that when we're making changes to those SDKs going forward, like it's consistent across all the SDKs and and we can we can ensure some level of quality there. And like it's those types of things that over time will pay off, but like definitely is not something we're going to market on our on our public marketing page right away. Yeah.
1: And I guess like the whole, uh, I mean, in a way, like the whole move from Tabletics to DevCycle seems like a kind of like microcosm of this idea that you're just like focusing on making like fewer things really good. Is that, is that kind of like the,
0: yeah, yeah, we, we, we definitely learned a lot of lessons with, with Tabletics and like, to be frank, like Tabletics was like, Pretty successful startup in in the grand scheme of things, but um, we got to a point where um, we I think we had built too many features for the size of, size of our team, and, and trying to support all those features just became a burden where it was really impacting our growth, and 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 that was a hard lesson to learn, and and really um, helped yeah solidify our, our convictions around creating a more focused product with DevCycle that 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 more. Solely focused on on individual developer experience of, of this this more narrow but um, much deeper product um, than than Tabletics
3: was. I, uh, I I know you were joking earlier, Jonathan, about like you know you don't really want to talk about all the testing we've done, but now I can't stop thinking about like a landing page. It's just like dev cycle, well tested. <laughs> <laughs> Like maybe that's that interesting weird. though, right? Like that, yeah, that would that stand out, yeah.
0: Yeah, all well, that stuff is open source.
1: So we can we can point to it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess with with evidence is like people love it, right? If you could just show, like, here's what we did. Don't, yeah, I mean, yeah. this
3: is this is this is the effort. This is how we think about building products and how we think about building things for for other developers. And it, it really, I don't know, maybe maybe there's something interesting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I like the idea of. Maybe there is a way to talk about that publicly that's um that actually is interesting. I think it relates
0: to how we're sort of approaching open source with DevCycle and how that also is very different than Tapletix. So with Taplytics, we had like we had patentable things in our SDKs um that um that we had built very early on. Um and and it meant that we, we could never really fully open source a lot of the the SDKs and end Software that folks were installing in, into their um, into their applications and with devcycle we wanted to revert that totally we wanted to make every piece of software that folks are installing in in their applications or their servers or or, or their integrations to um, to things like github and things like that um, we want all that to be open source and, and and that's really kind of been a core focus of us of ours and has allowed us to be open with how our SDKs are built, how they're tested, um, what's our process behind all of that. And, um, and really led us to supporting this new initiative called open feature, um, which is a a CNCF sandbox project, um, cloud native foundation, the foundation behind Kubernetes and, and lots of other projects like, uh, open telemetry and Argo CD and, and, and whole suite of amazing open source projects and, and. Open features kind of a new, um, uh, a new project that, that is coming up in the mold of open telemetry where it's a vendor agnostic interface to using feature flags in your code. So instead of using DevCycle's SDKs directly, you use open features SDKs that have a kind of a agnostic interface to getting feature flag values. And then you sort of plug DevCycle or really any other provider into that interface. And, um, that's a, um, uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's an open source project that, that we're very excited to to support um, over over the long term here.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like uh, Andrew, I guess like on the ground, like speaking to so many developers, I'm sure that makes like a bigger. Uh, have you noticed like a like that the conversation is kind of easier when you've got so much of like an open source kind of angle.
2: Yeah, I think so. it was so interesting. So we spent last week in Chicago at, um, at KubeCon, which was kind of like our, our, um, our like sweet sixteen it was like our coming up party in this in this this world of uh, of cloud native, and it was so interesting having these conversations because folks were like, so how do you feel about open source and like what why do you do the open source things you do? And we said it, this is it, it's the community, it's this why this is here. We want to support this, and it just made those conversations about okay, now tell me about your SaaS platform that I'm going to have to pay for eventually. It was so much of an easier segue that was in there, and then when we focused on things like yeah, but we have like this usage based pricing and all of these things that okay I can use this now as a developer and make it so easy for you um yeah the it, it it's such a it's such a door opener in this world if you're especially if you're a SaaS platform here because there are a number of really 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 good open source fully open source self hosted um, feature flag providers that are doing really cool things. And so the question often comes like, why, why do you, why, why are you not fully open source or, or, or why, why the, the SaaS model? Um, and, uh, and I think sort of saying like, you know what? We do this because we think that with this model, we can offer you the best possible developer experience. We have the resources in the team to be able to do that. But also we really want to support you in being able to do that in the way that you want to through open source. Yeah. It's been such a, um, a huge um, door opener for these conversations with developers to have them believe that we are truly a developer-focused company.
0: I think it helps most, too, with the, the migration discussions, right? Because you can imagine a large code base that's been using feature flags for a while might have hundreds or thousands of flags throughout their code base, right? And if they're going to migrate to from an internal tool or a different provider, they're never going to want to do that ever. Like, like it's such a large pain to overcome in that migration process that they only ever want to do that once, right? And that's where we can we can point to Open Feature to say, "Hey, you only need to migrate to using Open Features interface once, and then in the future, if you want to change providers or build an internal tool or something like that, um, you can do that with." open feature by plugging in kind of a different provider. And, and so it's really helped with those conversations and getting those those conversations going. There's still obviously a lot of work. Like we've we've built um tools to help our customers convert from from one platform and int- or internal platforms to another and having open APIs and and schemas and things like that um help enable that process. But um but that's kind of one of the biggest hurdles for us. Like we know for us like the biggest hurdle is actually like folks who are using other kind of internal tools or very simple feature flagging prop things like using environment variables to start or using like a, a, a simple file that's served by a CDN or by a database or a Redis or something like that. Like that's where people start and we know that. And if you start by hooking that up to like open feature, it would make the conversion to a provider like ourselves much easier in the future and, and reduce that that overhead. And, and so that's, that's the big motivation behind why we want to support it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's is funny how it's, I, I often come on the show and it's like, you think that like, for instance, with authentication, that the biggest competitor is going to be like all zero, but it's actually just like people doing it themselves. And yeah. Yeah. It's always, it's, it's always just folks own database.
3: <laughs> yeah, That's exactly it.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Um. I think we're coming to the end of the time. Um, one, before we do kind of a roundup um, on DevCycle takeaways, I wanted to do like a mini interview within an interview and we'll keep it to like a minute or so. Um, but I know Brad and Andrew uh, were both uh, working on Battlesnake, which um, I uh, came across a while back, which was like, uh, you you it's like um, a place where senior engineers can learn by building difficult things in new languages. And I just wondered if you had any kind of like takeaways of that experience um, that you've kind of brought with you to DevCycle. Yeah. I mean, Andrew Andrew can talk about this
3: a lot too. Um, But I think that, you know, Andrew and I spent a a lot of time working on and and building Battlesnake and finding ways to build developer community, um, build trust within developer communities and also build um, what we think of as like safe spaces for senior developers. I think it's hard to be a senior developer in the wild. It's hard to be a senior developer on LinkedIn, for example, that, that that's a very busy and noisy space to be in just always. And so um, we've learned a lot about what it means to build an, you know, an honest um, an open and authentic developer facing brand. Um, and we've, we've, you know, a, a lot of the reason why we joined the Dev Cycle team was because we wanted to bring that experience to to Dev Cycle specifically. Um and so there's there's, you know, an endless amount of things that we learned um building building Battlesnake. Um and I think that all of it sort of applies as as we go forward. I don't know, Andrew, if you wanted to add anything else to that.
2: All I was gonna say is I think there's um there's something that um you don't necessarily think of, uh, when you think about building a developer brand. And is that like developers are like people first developers second. And so creating experiences that they can share their love of what they do with other people, um, is so huge. Like, I think one of the things that we, um, brought from Battlesnake was like, people loved going and watching these tournaments with their families. They would, they would have watch parties, um, At these events and that, that carried over to KubeCon last week when we had baby onesies, um, that have like future engineer on them and they had our little toggle bot logo on them from DevCycle. And they were like the hottest item there because like this is the thing, right? Is like, especially when you look at senior engineers, professional engineers, they have families, they want, they're thinking about things outside of just like sitting in a computer all the time and, and they want to have this experience. And so, so much of that making your life as a developer, something that's like of interest or exciting to those around you, I think is such an important thing. And even with a platform that only focuses on putting conditional statements in your code to control whether or not you can see a feature, like there's ways to make that a thing that everybody can, can experience. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that's a big piece of, of not just making, uh, a developer brand fun for the developer and engaging and meaningful and powerful and, and and really well constructed, but also making it something that's accessible to everybody around them as well.
1: Yeah. That's really good. So developers are people. Let's uh, remember.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Developers are people. They, they have families, they have interests, they have hobbies outside of coding. You know, not every developer is just learning to code all the time and sitting in a dark room in their basement at 2am <laughs> writing, writing, uh, writing code. Um, the, you know, they're, they're just at the, at the end of the day, they're just people. And so finding creative ways to treat them like people, um, and, and treat them like a diverse set of people, uh, go, goes a long way in help building brand and just helping build trust and loyalty.
2: And that's it. if you are sitting in your basement, just learning how to, and just coding all the time, we are here for you. For we see you. <laughs> you excluding. are our people too. Um, we don't want you to feel left out. Uh, we have things. There's things for you too. And we're, we're here for you as well.
1: Yeah. I'm not in a basement, but I don't have any windows in my office. So <laughs> I feel basically kindred with them as well. Um, Jonathan, uh, do you want to round us out with um, anything that you uh, would advise to a, a dev tool or like... Thing, biggest things you've learned along the way yeah I, I think that's <laughs> that's a good question I think um, I
0: think Brad really summed it up well earlier that creating a dev tool and focusing on the developer experience um, is is really focusing on that core product and building that relationship with your customers through the the, the quality and the experience of, of, of the product that, that you're, you're providing to them and, and focusing on the details and focusing on those those little frustrations and and focusing on your documentation and 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 how those those interfaces are far more important than creating like the flashiest ui or or or, or anything like of that sort that those day-to-day experiences of using your product need to be continually iterated on um, and, and refined to, to create an actually great developer tool and, and, and developer experience. And I think that's been our biggest learning so far, and and one we're we're continually working on. And like we we certainly aren't. I don't think we'll ever be finished, but um, that's what we're going to continue to iterate on and, and improve and, and listen to our customers of of how we can make the best sort of experience for them. Of how to use feature flags every day. Like we want people using our tools and relying on our tools every day in their workflows. And, and that's that's what we're laser
1: focused on. That's really good. So we've got two great insights there. Focus on the parts of the product, the product that really matter and make them really good. And remember that developers are human and have lives as well. Um, thank you, um, Jonathan, Brad, and Andrew. For joining. Um if anyone's interested in checking out DevCycle, devcycle.com, um, go check it out. And yeah, thanks everyone for joining. Thank you, Jack. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for having us.